0: I love it when it happens, I saw Susie's set list and she picked songs like Shalom Jerusalem and Jerusalem If I Forget You and um, "Hatikva," the, the Israel National Anthem and um, the first one Shalom My People Cry and I didn't tell her what the message was about, she didn't tell me what the song list was going to be about. It's one of those things where I love it when those things happen, you know? So, yeah, so the great orchestrator orchestrates. So, uh, warning, eh, eh, this message is about Israel. Um, so there's the warning. Um, this Torah portion is a really cool one. Uh, we, it's, we're, again, we're approaching the end of the book of Numbers, which is really the end of the wilderness story. The children of Israel are on the east side of the Jordan River. Uh, they're about ready to, to cross over with Joshua, like that that time is approaching. Uh, They just went through a battle with Midian. Uh, They went through the experience with uh, Bilam, Balaam, and with Pinchas, with the spear. And uh, now they're battling Midian, and they conquered uh, Midian. They beat them. So they're on the east side of the Jordan, and they're ready to cross over. God um, has apportioned the land to all the tribes. You're going to have here. You're going to have here. And then something weird and unexpected for Moses happened. Uh, Moses uh, was approached by two tribes. He was approached by the tribes of Reuven and the tribe of God or, or Gad. I think you gotta say it in English, Gad. Because in Hebrew it's actually pronounced God. And that can be confusing. <laughs> so we'll just say Gad. So uh, Reuben and Gad approached Moses and uh, said, you know what, Moses, we're here on this side of the Jordan. So they were in the area of present day, the country of Jordan, and a little bit of southern uh, Syria. That's where they were. And they said, you know what? You know, we got a lot of cattle and livestock and pretty good pasture here. How about we just settle here and not across the Jordan? And Moses kind of had a conniption because he had flashbacks of the last time some people said, we can't go there. See, he assumed that Reuben and Gad were afraid to go over and cross and fight. So he said, what are you doing? Don't you? I mean, 40 years we had to suffer in this damn wilderness because your stupid ancestors were so chicken and didn't trust the Lord. And here you are saying you're going to do the same thing. But, the, but Reuben and Gad said, no, 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 Moses, you got it wrong. You're misunderstanding our intent. We are going to fight with our brothers We will cross over and we will fight with our brothers, our Jewish brothers. We will fight with them. And we won't come back here to settle and rest until they are settled. They will come first and once they are situated, then we will come here. And Moses said, oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. So that is what happens. So it's an interesting thing. So firstly, if God apportioned the land already, what right do they have anyway to occupy the land over here in present day Jordan and southern Syria when God already apportioned Israel proper between the river and the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. So there's a couple things about it. Firstly, God promises in scripture, he actually says, when, not if, when I expand your borders, so this thing, this country, this entity, this spiritual establishment called Israel number 1 is meant to expand yeah. and what we see with Reuben and Gad is the first the first push out from those borders enlarge your tents it says But we must understand this. It's an interesting thing. God said to the children of Israel, your tents will enlarge, your borders will expand. He never said you will conquer other lands. But he did say you will expand. Why is that? Because Israel is a spiritual thing. And the word of God, the Torah of God the reality of Hashem and who he is must go to the whole world. Oh, yeah. And that cannot be limited to just the borders. It's not a military expansion. Islam expanded militarily, Christianity expanded militarily, Judaism never expanded militarily. The the, the, the expansion of God and his reality is a spiritual awakening of every land. And we are seeing in this Torah portion the beginnings of that expansion because God established the borders and even before they crossed over, the borders got expanded. But it's not about territory. It's about the knowledge of Adonai because the knowledge of Adonai and the realization of who Yeshua is will go across the whole world. And we're in a place in the world where we are taught and we are we must like love everybody. You know, if you're Muslim or you're Hindu or you're just spiritual or you're atheist or whatever it is, yeah, there's love, but God is a jealous God. And he doesn't yield. He doesn't yield his Glory to idols. And the glory of the Lord, the word of God, and Yeshua, the living word, will expand. Will expand. God is not a tolerant God. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to be tolerant and accepting like the end, the end thing, the end game here when Yeshua returns is not all the faiths as one. It's just not. Now, don't, don't, don't say that we don't love people of other faiths and, and they are one with us in spirit because we love them and we, we love who they are. But at the end game, it's not like Adonai and, and Buddha are going to be like, you know, dancing together, doing a horror together. And, oh, you know, Hashem and Allah are doing the horror. It's not going to be that. In his name, the Lord shall be one. And his name, one. But I understand that it's, that's, it's, it's a very intolerant thing to say these days. And I get it, and I even appreciate it. Because we don't want to militarily conquer people. It's spiritual awakenings. It's spiritual awakenings. So that is why the borders are meant to expand. That's why ten pegs are meant to enlarge. It's the knowledge of the Lord that expands from the north to the south to the east to the west, across the world. Second thing, interestingly, that happened when, the, when these tribes, Reuben and... Yeah. Reuben and... Yeah. Reuben and... Yeah. Okay, okay. Another interesting thing happened. Reuben and Gad asked Moses right, to do this. They're the ones that asked Moses, let's say, look, we're going to be on this side of the Jordan, in the Transjordan here. We're going to settle over here. And then once Moses realized what their intent was, he said, okay, I'm going to put you here, Reuben. I'm going to put you here, Gad. And then he puts half of Manasseh, also over there, and Manasseh didn't even ask for it. So you wind up getting Manasseh, which half of it is on the east of the Jordan, kind of like on the northern side, kind of on the border of where Syria is now, and then into Israel proper across the border. The border. So why did he do that? If Reuben, the firstborn, and Gad want, are the ones with the sheep and the cattle and the, the, the pastures and everything looked good to them, why did he say, okay, Manasseh, you're going over there too? Half of you is going over there too. We must understand who Manasseh is. Manasseh, along with Ephraim, are sons of Joseph that were born in Egypt. Their mother... Was not Jewish. And then, when there was a reconciliation between Joseph and with his father Jacob, Jacob Israel, whose name was Israel, said, "Who are they?" And Joseph, who is a foreshadow of Mashiach himself, said, "These are the ones born to me in Egypt." And then Israel said, "They are mine." And they will have my name. I will give my name, Israel, to them. And when he blessed them, he crossed his hands over their heads so much so that... All right, don't make me laugh. When people get spiritual, I start to laugh. I got to look away. All right, so... So he he crossed his arms, and even Joseph did not understand what he was doing. He said, Dad, you're doing it wrong. And Israel said, I know what I'm doing. Ephraim and Manasseh were adopted into Israel. They spiritually represent you who are from the nations who don't have that direct lineage, the direct bloodline to Israel, but are adopted into Israel. Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, there are groups out there that will actually say that if you're like a Gentile and you're in like a Messianic congregation, you're a physical descendant of Ephraim and Manasseh. That's hogwash. Or as uh, uh, Joe Biden said at the convention, that's a lot of malarkey. That's a lot of malarkey. USA! No, just, okay, we don't have to go there. So, um, so anyway, where, where am I going with this? So, what did I say two minutes ago? Can you remind me who's listening? Huh? Adopted. So Ephraim and Manasseh were ad- adopted in and they represent the Christians who are adopted in because they are people from the nations. They were they are like sons of Joseph, who is a foreshadow of Yeshua, who, 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 who were of him in the nations, which is Egypt, not in Israel. And they are adopted into Israel. Okay, so spiritually that is you. It doesn't matter physically. There's, again, there are groups out there that will say oh, that's physically you. Hogwash malarkey. It's the physical descendancy does not matter. And if it if it is, then where where does it leave everybody else? If everybody's a descendant of Israel, where does it leave the nations and the blessing that God does to the nations? So I heard one uh rabbi who Uh, or or congregational leader who's talking about that whole thing, and he said, well, Ephraim, you know, he, he was the only one called Israel by Jacob when he was giving the blessings, so clearly Ephraim is really Israel, and the rest of them aren't. Hogwash malarkey. Because the only reason they were given the name of Israel, because they were adopted in. The other tribes had it already. Duh. Duh. When Lou and Val have a child, the, 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 the child by default is named Long. But if they, are, if they adopt the child, the child is given the name Long. So that is why that, that Ephraim and Ezra were given the name Israel. Not that, okay, they are the real Israel. Hogwash malarkey. Okay? But anyway, so they spiritually represent you who are adopted into Israel. So when Reuben and Gad wanted to go... Across the Jordan to the other side, which is the beginnings of the expansion of this spiritual reality called Israel, which is going to go around the world. God was faithful to have the son of the Gentile along with them. The Christian, spiritual Christians along with them. And that speaks to the role, one of the roles of the Gentile Christians, which is always to dwell with the Jewish people always to dwell with the Jewish people. It's a reality, but it's something that we don't see because God in his infinite wisdom allowed there to be a split of religions where you have the Christians and the Jews, and we got to do the tolerance thing. We love each other. But there's there's something more that happens with the Christians and the Jews. The Christians are grafted into Israel, and God, in his wisdom, took Manasseh, the son of the the non-Jew, and put them even on the other side of the Jordan, and that's where we are. And everybody here that doesn't have a Jewish lineage is here for a purpose. And, And, you know, God suckers us into messianic synagogues through many, many reasons. A, a lot of people come here because they think they're more righteous by doing it, because they're wearing the tzitzit and they're worshiping on Saturday, not Sunday like the pagans. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, thank God I'm not a pagan. Thank God I'm not a pagan. That sounds like the, uh, the, uh, the, the Pharisees that were saying, thank God I'm not like one of those tax collectors. Oh, thank God I'm no longer, God called me into the reality. I'll tell you, being suckered in. You are suckered into this place because you think it's about your own righteousness when Yeshua is your righteousness. Nothing to do with all this stuff. And you are here to stand with Israel. And that will come about at the end because it says in the, in the, in the end of Zechariah, you can't deny it. It says all nations will come against Jerusalem. There's going to be a unity In this time of great division in the world, there's going to be a unity found in the world. But there's nothing that that unites a people more than a common enemy. And a common enemy is going to be Israel. And where will you be when that happens? I mean, we see the narrative changing in the world already. Because Israel is the bad guy. And we're seeing in our generation, we're seeing history being rewritten. Like, the Jews were never there, and they haven't been there in Israel for 2,000 years, and it was only, like, Arab people that were there. You know why I know that's false? Because my great-great-grandfather owned land in Israel. My great-great-grandfather, Jacob, and my great-great-grandmother, Mother, Leah, Jacob and Leah, interesting, but not those guys from way back. My mother's mother's father's father and mother, Jacob and Leah, were kicked out. They grew up in Romania, Romania, Romania. I don't know if anybody knows that song. And uh, they were kicked out because anti-Semitism and this, was the, this is the story of the Jewish people after they had to get out of Israel. They dealt with severe anti-Semitism in Romania, and they were booted out. So they, they found a, a homeland in Israel. They went to Israel. They purchased land, they lived in Israel called Palestine at the time, and lived, it lived in the land of Israel. But then they were getting a lot of anti-Semitism from the Arabs there, and they had to leave again. And that's actually what brought them to America. So the whole, the whole concept of like, well it was, they were, you know, the, 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 there were people there, indigenous people that were living there, and they're all happy-go-lucky until the Jews kicked them out. I mean, we're seeing the narrative, we're seeing history change right before our eyes. Right before our eyes. So at the end, and I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, it's clearly an end times passage, Zechariah 14. It talks about the Lord's coming. It talks about all the nations coming to celebrate Sukkot. There's just so much in there that's clearly end times. But it starts with all the nations coming against Israel, coming against Jerusalem. How that's going to operate, I don't know. Is it going to be a UN thing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's it's it speaks to me of a unity that's a false unity that's going to happen in the world that's really not a unity of Adonai because it's going to be coming against his people. But then it says in that scripture it says the Lord's going to come and defend Israel. And he, and the Lord's going to come with his holy ones and then the end comes. And that's that, that's it. But the the Christian what I'm saying you, what I'm saying here is the the role of the Christian is to stand with their fathers. The hearts of the father will be returned to the hearts of the children. The hearts of the children will be returned to the hearts of the fathers. This will come about when, when, when Christianity realizes that they're just sons and daughters of, of, the, of, of Judaism spiritually. And they'll realize that Israel is like, it's, they're part of this thing. I've shared here many times the story of, of Ruth. We know the story of Ruth. Does it, nobody knows the story of Ruth? I expected a, yes, we know the story of Ruth. But Ruth, <laughs> Gad, right? So, so, But the story of Ruth is a beautiful love story. I mean, it's the story of Naomi um, wh- wh- where she lost her, her husband and she lost her kids and she was really desolate. And then here comes Ruth who had a heart for Naomi and said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking by you. And then she married Boaz. Boaz the kitten. And see, I can't read the book of Ruth now without thinking about our kitten. Named Boaz. So, you know, so, so, you know, so she marries Boaz, the redeemer, and, and she, they have a child, and it restores Naomi. It's a beautiful story. And I've shared this before, so if you've heard it before, you can go to sleep. But I think a lot of people haven't. It, the, the story starts with Elimelech being married to Naomi. Elimelech in Hebrew is my god, king. Naomi is, is, has the word in it, ami, which is my people. So Elimelech married to Naomi is my God king married to my people. That's how it starts. But Naomi, Elimelech dies. But, you know, God doesn't die, but it shows a separation between Naomi, my people, the Jewish people, and Elimelech, their God. It shows the separation. And then um, they had kids, Machlon and Kilion, the, 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 her, her um. Yeah, her, her children, her sons, Machlone and Killing. you know what Machlone and I mean, uh, Naomi's sons? Sick and wasting away. Those are really good names for your kids. So she was in, and then they die. Like, she is, like, in a, this, this terrible, terrible place, but it speaks to, like, the spiritual desolation of the people of Israel. Their relationship with their father is gone. Their relationship with their husband, Elimelech, is gone. Their relationship with, the, with, the, with their sons is gone. You know, when God says, you know, we need to take care of widows and orphans. Spiritually, Israel is a widow and an orphan. Because Israel, a a widow is somebody who had a husband but no longer. And an orphan is somebody who had a father but no longer. And that's the children of Israel right now. Because there's a spiritual separation right now. So to take care of widows and orphans spiritually can mean love the Jewish people. So, so now you have Elimelech, who's God, and he died, and then Naomi, not, which has Ami in it, which is my people, and her sons died, and, and then all of a sudden the daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, Orpa means stiff neck, she goes and says, you know what, I'm out of here, I'm going back to my people in Moab, I'm done with this, bye, right? So she goes, but not Ruth. Ruth was this Gentile woman, the, the daughters-in-laws, they were from Moab, they also were not from the lineage, but here is Ruth saying, Naomi, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you, mama. I'm with you. And Naomi kicked her out three times and said, no, 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 no. You just go back to your people. And she said, no, no, I'm staying. You're not, you can't kick me out. I'm not going back. I'm with you. And she said, no, go three times. So if you're, if you're, dea- if you're dealing with Jewish people and you want to hug them, they're going to push you away three times. They absolutely will it's actually in there now their' their oral traditions um, to, to to you know if like a, if a non-jew comes and wants to be converted, you say no three times. That came from how Naomi dealt with Ruth, but Ruth said, "No, no, no, where you go, I go, where you stay, I stay, where you dwell, I dwell. your God will be my God, and let anything. If anything but death separates us, then let God deal with me severely. She represents Christians who grab on to Israel and won't let go. And won't let go. And won't let go. And won't let go. go. In comes Boaz, the kinsman redeemer of the family of Elimelech. Uh Uh-huh. Enters into relationship with Ruth, the Gentile who clung to Israel, to broken Israel. And Ruth is gleaning from the field of Boaz the blessing. And she takes the blessing and she goes back to Naomi and says, This is for you. And Naomi starts to be restored. Where did you get this? And she goes, I gleaned it from the Redeemer's field, the Kinsman Redeemer. And all of a sudden, Naomi goes, I know that guy. He's in my family. Are you hearing this in spirit? What's happening? Boaz and, and 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 Ruth enter into relations. They have a child, and Ruth hands that child to Israel. Hello, expanding the borders of Israel. Through the relationships that the Christians have with the God of Israel and the progeny of that, go... Did I say it right? Wrong? Prodigy. No, progeny. Yeah, you're a prodigy, but. (laughs) Offspring of of Ruth and Boaz, the, the Gentile and the Redeemer, gets handed to Israel. And she is restored through that. So that is the role of the Christians and that is why Manasseh was put on the other side because they represent you who will always live amongst the Jewish people and be among the Jewish people, amongst Israel, until the end. Adonai will give us many, many opportunities to stand with the broken, to stand with the oppressed, to stand with the afflicted. And there's many broken and there's many afflicted. In this world. And I believe it is the calling of, of, a, of a believer, of somebody who is redeemed, to stand with the broken, to stand with broken people, with, with, with marginalized people, with people that are hated. To love justice. You know, there's something in scripture, and it's an amazing thing. God always says, He says, like, don't pervert justice. When it comes to the foreigner, when it comes to the widow, when it comes to the orphan, and he says this many times, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. He says it like five times, I believe, maybe more, but at least five in the Torah. Remember you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought you out. It's like saying, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like it talks about how to do righteous things and how to deal, treat people righteously. And it says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and I brought you out. Therefore, execute justice with the foreigner, with the widow, with the orphan. It's the call of the Jew. It's a call of the Christian. We don't do it so great. None of us do it so great. But it is a call of the Christian. It's a call of the believer. It's interesting, there's a, there's a verse in, in Ezekiel which always humbles me because Ezekiel was in uh, captivity with, with Israel in Babylon and God is giving him prophecy about the harlots of the north who is uh, uh, Ephraim, the, the, the territory of Ephraim, and the harlots of the south who is Judah. And he calls Judah Sodom. And he says, your sister in the south is Sodom. And you could say, okay, well, what does that mean? And he says, you are committing abominations that even Sodom didn't commit. So where does our mind go with that? Like sexual sins, like, right? What, these are the abominations you think of Sodom. And, but then God says in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16, read it, it. It really speaks to me. Ezekiel 16, it says, and this is the sin of your sister Sodom. You had plenty to eat. You had much comfort, but you did not clothe the poor. And he calls them, and therefore you committed abominations. That was the abomination. Sodom. Ezekiel 16, read it. So at the end, I believe that the world will unite against the common enemy because it does say that all nations will come against Jerusalem. That sounds like... A global mission. And where will the Christians be? You are there, Manasseh, spiritually, all the, on, the, on the other side of the of the of the river where the where the Jewish people expanded, and, and, and you are there with them because you will you will be with them even at the end. And where will you be at the end? And where will us where will we be at the end? We are called to stand with Israel, and it's plenty of practice these days. To stand with broken people, to stand with the afflicted, to stand with the oppressed, and to love justice. Baruch Hashem. Thank you, Adam.